honestly, I was just working my way up to death. I thought about killing myself every day. I was using all the time, and I, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. My brother shot himself because of drugs. When you are using technology to lure children for sexual purposes, there's a couple of problems that concern me. But I remember feeling kind of relieved after hurting myself. Do you have any idea how much you were worth? I like to say it this way, great people are really built in the furnace of affliction. Our teens are navigating a world of information anarchy and increased stress and pressure. Drugs are glorified more than ever before and there seems to be a suicide option that didn't exist prior. As adults, we are responsible to provide the help at-risk teens need. Have teens changed or is it just the world they live in that's different? Is this why so many teens are traumatized or triggered? My name is Aaron Huey and in 2009, I opened a home for these teens with the hopes of giving them a second chance at creating the life we all know they deserve. Now I want to give parents the information that contributed to our success and to support them in navigating the at-risk world. These are the stories told by the teens and the techniques used by experts to help them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Hello parents, this is Aaron, your host of Beyond Risk and Back. I'm at day two of the Winter Symposium here in Colorado Springs. Um, and even though this is day two, it's probably weeks away uh, when you're listening now from when I actually recorded this. I'm talking with uh, Justin Swenson. These, he works for Kokua. Now Kokua, these guys are friends of ours down the road from us. Uh, we're up in Estes Park. They're down in Greeley. That's right. They're down in Greeley. I had met their director. Um, we had gotten to know the people running them. And now they're just a few booths down from our Fire Mountain booth. I'm getting to meet a bunch of their staff. Uh, what Justin and I are going to be talking about, I'm going to, I'm going to call it the initiation of the trees. Um, Justin has a lot of experience uh, working with teens in the wilderness. Uh, that's where my experience in working with kids and kids in recovery, kids in the jail system, started out on uh, trail building programs deep into the woods uh, with kids who have been in prison. My wife worked for Outward Bound. So a lot of people who are in our industry and working with teens have dipped their toes into the trees. And what I, what I want to talk about with Justin is the initiation of the trees, why wilderness works, how wilderness works, and as programs like ours that are residential and more urban type programs uh, are beginning to use more and more wilderness uh, modalities in an urban environment. So Justin, thanks for joining me on Beyond Risk and Back and welcome. Thank you. All right, so let's talk about some of your history working with uh, teens in the trees, or, or as we've heard it in the past, the hoods in the woods. Right. I have 15 years experience working in wilderness and adventure therapy programs. I started back in 1997 in wilderness therapy at Red Cliff Ascent. I uh, took a big break in there, so um, went, ended up circling back full circle. And the last program that I worked at in wilderness therapy was Red Cliff Ascent again. And that was right before I came over to work at Kokua Recovery. And I've essentially just brought a lot of what I learned in wilderness therapy to Kokua Recovery. Excellent, excellent, excellent. What's the difference between wilderness and adventure therapy? 
Well, that's debatable. It depends on who you <laughs> ask, really. Um, I guess I, you could really use those somewhat interchangeably. In the wilderness therapy industry, the breakdown would be uh, wilderness therapy would be like a, a nomadic model where the kids move every day and they're out for eight to 10 weeks at a time. Um, something along those lines where adventure therapy would be more high adventure like rock climbing, mountain biking, canyoneering, uh, stuff like that, water sports, uh, more of an adventure based component uh, with uh, more gear, a little bit more technical, I guess, would be the way that I would explain that. Does, uh, I want to I jump forward because I know a lot of parents who've looked into treatment for their kids. They may or may not have had an educational consultant working with them, but inevitably, whether it's how Google is set up, um, inevitably they're going to come across a wilderness program. And it's, a wilderness program is uh, much different than a treatment center in, well, its environment, in the environmental experience. How do you know and what advice would you give to a parent to help them figure out whether or not their kid is designed for a wilderness program or better yet, and what, what I want you to be able to reveal to families is, how do you know if your kid needs one? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I actually get that question quite a bit. And I would say there's a few different components to making that decision. Wilderness programs are typically an eight to 10 week program. Some of them may be just a little bit longer and they're designed to be like that early primary care. And that's really what most programs are trying to accomplish. And through that, they do a couple different things. They, a big part of that is assessment. They want to help get out of control behaviors into control and then and get a really good assessment of what the kid needs long term. And so there, you know, a lot of the residential programs that are out there that I'm familiar with, if, if a young person is out of control behaviorally, it's really hard for the uh, residential program to really dig in and start working with them. And so that might be one thing to consider. Uh, you know, when you're looking at the two, if, if it's a out of control behavior, uh, wilderness therapy might be a good container for the, for the kid. Um, it's, there isn't, you know, it's much more difficult to get away. There's, uh, there's less, uh, outside influence once they're out there. And I, I really believe that it's, it's a good place to, to help them learn how to manage their own behavior and get to a place where they can settle in and do some long-term work. Now, another place that uh, I think residential treatment might, you know, be a better fit is if it's uh, like an addiction problem, whether it's a process addiction or whether it's a, a substance abuse uh, addiction type problem. That would be an area that eight to 10 weeks, just from my perspective, it's not going to get it done. And so that's where I would, I would recommend looking at a long-term placement. Now, when you're talking long-term placement, that, that would maybe be no less than six months. And there's a lot of compelling research out there that shows that six months is a good starting point for addiction problems, for, especially for adolescents. Really, up to a year, that's when you're really going to see, uh, you're going to have better chances of lasting change if you can keep them on track for up to a year. So um, those would just be two examples that I, you know, how to, how to make that uh, differentiation, whether uh, you send them to wilderness or whether you send them to a residential treatment facility. And I would say that, you know, most wilderness programs, if you're going to send your child to a wilderness therapy program, 
they're going to recommend that you send them to some sort of aftercare. Yeah, that's a that's an important piece that I want parents to really understand. And Justin has said it uh, very eloquently a couple times. Um, wilderness in and of itself is not the totality of your kid's treatment. I have found it very rare that a kid goes to a wilderness program and when they graduate the wilderness, they're done. It's a great start. It's an assessment program. And so often, and parents feel often left hooked by this, is that their kid's ready to be picked up for wilderness and the parents have been getting this information that, hey, your kid needs a longer care treatment. And their response is, what was this? Um, so that's important for parents to know. Uh, this is one of the reasons why educational consultants uh, do like wilderness is that it's an assessment period for uh, qualified personnel to say, here's what we think your kid ne it needs next. But it's pretty rare that the personnel say, your kid can go home now. They're, they're not ready. Very rare. Yeah, yeah. So what is it that you have found working in the wilderness and now working in a residential program that is different between a kid who comes from the hospital to your residential versus a kid who's come from wilderness to the residential? Do you know what I'm asking? I do, what, yeah. what do you see different and what are the benefits of doing a wilderness first? I would say one of the biggest benefits is that assessment period is very helpful. By the time the kid comes to the residential program, uh, clinicians and, and the workers at the residential program, they, they have a pretty good idea of what the kid needs. And there's often testing that takes place in the wilderness program. Uh, that testing could show if they have a learning disability or if, you know, if they're on the spectrum or, or different things like that can come up. While they're, while they're in wilderness, they also seem to be, uh, not always, but they often seem to be in a better place as far as ready to, ready to work. They've uh, maybe caught a little glimpse of, of what it feels like to uh, behave and, and to actually accomplish something and be praised for that accomplishment. Or, you know, they've got little glimpses of what maybe a healthy life could, could be like for them. Uh, where, you know, coming out of a hospital uh, into a residential treatment, setting we have to we have to help them get to that place to where they're ready to work and you know we have to help them catch that vision and that's it's very doable um and and we do do that all the time um but there i can see that there is benefit for some kids to go to wilderness but then again it all depends on you know what what they're needing help with if it's addiction um I don't know if the, if the wilderness would be absolutely necessary. I think, uh, you know, jumping right into a, a residential treatment facility where they're going to just start their long-term care right away, you know, and they're going to start to establish uh, some routine and some sort of uh, way to start to learn the coping skills that they need to, you know, to, to not need to, to use or whatever it is. Okay. So, uh, parents, you're going to hear terms like primary care, secondary care, and wilderness is often considered a primary care. Um, our facility is primary and secondary. We take kids from wilderness all the time. We take kids who are coming right out of the hospital as a primary care for mental health and addiction issues. Kokua does that as well, is that right? That's correct. Okay, so one of the things that I wanna piggyback on, on you, Justin, is that what, one of the things that I've noticed about kids who come out of wilderness is that they have begun a process of self-reliance that's really hard to teach in a residential environment. When you look at a kid and say, um, 
it's dinner time and the kid has to cook their own rice and they can't get their own fire started. And so that night they eat crunchy cold rice. It, it can seem on the outside to a family who's used to enabling, doing everything for their kid, really trying to support the kid by doing things for the kid that may not actually be helping. But this kid is in a really bad way, how they had to eat cold, hard rice that night. But you can bet that kid's going to get a fire started that second night. And when they do, the praise from the mentors and the facilitators is a life-changing experience. And I have seen that really, really affect a kid. And I love that piece. Yeah, I agree. I There was a time I was working with a young man and we saw a storm coming in, completely black in the sky. And I said, hey, it's going to rain. Would you please cover your stuff up? And he said, no, I'm not going to do it. You can cover it up for me if you want. And I said, no. <laughs> I'm going to let you cover your stuff up. You know, we went back and forth a few times with that, and he didn't cover his stuff up, and we just got pounded. And then I was up until, and, and as it was coming in, I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I let this kid's stuff get wet, we're going to suffer the consequences together. But as a staff member, I was thinking, I'm willing to do this. You know, we're going to, we're going to suffer these consequences, and hopefully the kid learns something. And sure enough, the next time the storm was rolling in, I didn't have to say anything. Not a word. He looked at this guy and he's like, hey, guys, the rain's coming. Cover your stuff up. <laughs> Suddenly he's in a leadership yeah. position. I love it. We had a we had a kid once. He had just had enough of digging trails because we, we humped out there all day. Like we were up at five. We were raking trails. We were setting, chopping wood and setting it in for runoff and everything. We were deep in. And uh, this guy had had it. He threw his shovel down. He said, he's saying prison's easier than this crap. I'm out of here. And I looked at my watch and I said, Boulder's that way. You got to start hoofing it because it's four o'clock and this is feeding time. And he, you know, he's a gang member. He had been in for violence and stuff. He'd be like, you know, what's going to get me? And I said, well, mountain lions, this is their time. And he said, man, I'll deck that mountain lion right in the face. And I said, remember that uh, skeleton that was hanging out of the tree we all saw earlier? And he said, yeah. And I said, you remember what I told you hauled that up there? And he said, a mountain lion. I said, that was a 700-pound animal that that mountain lion hauled up the tree. You think your punch is going to do anything? And he grumbled, walked off without dinner, zipped up into his tent, got up the morning and apologized to everybody. That's the type of thing. That's when, when Justin was saying container. There is only so much power struggle that you have to do in the wilderness. I have seen good wilderness therapists a really good wilderness therapist barely has to do any work at all because mother nature has a handful of lessons for these kids setting up your own tent in time learning how to do it well asking for help those things pay out in spades so yeah go ahead yeah they they really do and it's it's interesting especially in the in the day and age of video games oh yeah where you know you can you have the ability to, to start over and bend the will of whatever's going on in this game. And I'll have kids compare that to their time in the wilderness all the time where they just couldn't, they couldn't stop the rain from coming or the wind was blowing and they were annoyed. They couldn't just shut it off, you know, or if something gets destroyed, they can't just regenerate it. I mean, it's done, it's over. And uh, there's some powerful lesson in that right there. Just that they can't bend the will of nature and they have to learn to just be okay with it and be okay with themselves in that scenario. One of the things that uh, I've talked about a lot in wilderness is uh, helping the kids get to a place where they can stand up in their own skin 
and just be okay with themselves at the core without all of those other distractions and be okay uh, not having to be in control of everything all the time um, and then have to work for the things that they need. Right. You know, all together, all that's a self-efficacy piece that yes. we have to work on all the time. All right. So both you and I have been, we've, we've told a couple stories. We could probably, the, the, the war story of being a, a wilderness therapist or a wilderness uh, caseworker, they're so rich. They're so unique. They're so potent. Um, and now you and I are both in residential now. How do we bring the wealth and richness and container of the trees, that initiatory process of you are not the biggest, most important center of the universe. This, this wilderness, this wildness is. How do we bring that into a residential environment? How, and I know what we've done. I'm curious as to what you guys have done at Kokua, what you would like to do, where you feel you run into obstacles. How do we bring in this wealth of richness indoors? I would say that it's, uh, it's challenging, um, but it's very doable. And what we've started with is we go out for two days a week. So two full days. We have chosen Tuesday and Wednesday just because they're the least crowded days, which is irrelevant, really. It's true. Um, so we go out, and uh, the first thing that I did is I implemented roles and responsibilities. So each kid has a role and responsibilities with that role to really help them. I'm trying to create a scenario where where we uh, fast track that that experience. You know, where they're not going to be out for eight to 10 weeks. So in two days, I want to try and capture as much of it as possible. So we start with the roles and responsibilities. And then we then we set up our adventure very deliberately. We try and set it up. And then we go out, um, you know, as, as we're running the adventure, just like as a, as a wilderness staff, I try and capture those teaching moments and, and help them... Uh, build some metaphor for themselves and then understand the metaphors that I'm talking about. Um, and then I think a big part of that at the end of the day is really processing what's been learned. So um, just to give you a short example, we went out snowshoeing and uh, the boys that went out snowshoeing had never been on snowshoes before. We had a little bit of powder and it was a lot of work. And one of the boys just had a full on meltdown, you know, it was a short trail. I mean, we're only going two miles. Total trip, you know. And he had a full-on meltdown at some point, and he was blaming the snowshoes and blaming the snow and and you know all of these other things. But but we were able to talk to him and really help him like pare it down to what's really going on inside. And and this kid's got a lot going on in there, and it was really this underlying anger that's always there, and it just boiled over in the snowshoeing you know, situation. And, uh, you know, now the kid loves it. I mean, every time we go out, I mean, it was a longer process than that. But of I course, mean, of course. You know, he's three months, two and a half months in now, you know, and, and he loves snowshoeing. But it's, uh, and so really what I'm trying to do, I guess, to sum it up is I'm trying to be as intentional as I possibly can each time we go out and not overdo it with the metaphor, but give enough that it, it's meaningful, you know, and, uh, and really just make it a safe, fun, and meaningful trip for them. Right. And uh, and then the other big piece is consistency. So we do it nice. every week. Nice. And and we talk about it. We build on it, you know, through their therapy sessions throughout the week. They'll talk about it in group therapy. They'll talk about it in their individual therapy, you know. 
They're writing letters home to mom. And so we keep it alive through the week. Um, and then we just and we make it as consistent as possible. You know, the, uh, we, do a, we do a couple things. One being, I still teach outdoor survival. We teach wilderness first aid. I used to be an outdoor survival professor at Colorado Mountain College, an adjunct professor. So we still get them outside. We've, we've, I've got 40 acres in the hillsides and stuff like that. Um, the other day, they hiked up to the circle to do uh, English class. But one of the biggest things where it, it, our, our kids are outside hiking and stuff like that, like your kids, one of the potent things that when we're looking to hire therapists and we're looking to hire staff, is when we find a wilderness person who can make that transition into residential, what we gain when we get them is someone who's willing to follow the kid's direction, not not orders, not a kid saying, hey, cover my stuff for me, but a kid says, I'm gonna do this. And a, because we've been out in the wilderness, we have a much broader gauge of what's truly life-threatening and what is gonna be a really amazing teaching experience. And so when we're in life skills and the kids, the kids are looking at how much working a full-time job at minimum wage, how much in the red they're going to be every single month after paying all their bills, and they get really angry and they blame the government and they blame taxes and they blame minimum wage and they blame everything out. And then they start saying, I'm just going to deal drugs. You know, and we've even in the, my last class, the kids were saying, I'm just going to kill myself. And we, in conversation, say, let's talk about dealing drugs. You think you guys got a 50-50 chance on a daily basis of getting caught? Oh, 50-50, that's being generous to the drug deal. So great, let's flip a coin and see how many days you make it. And at some point, the kids start saying, well, if I go to a four-year college, how much am I going to make? If I go to a trade school, how much am I going to make? What if I start investing now? That's Ultimately, the kids can find the path home, a healthy, safe path. But I have seen the traditional therapist, the sit in a chair and talk about your feelings, wants to preach more than a wilderness therapist who wants to let the world teach more. That's what I really like. That has been the biggest value of watching the wilderness experts come on in. You and I talked about both, in both of our facilities, about wanting to be able to take these kids out camping. What are some of the uh, the obstacles you're finding to that? One of the biggest obstacles that we're finding is uh, when we bill insurance, um, you know, we have to have so many hours of, of direct care with the therapist. And that's been challenging to negotiate and figure out how we're gonna accomplish that. And uh, so where we've landed is we have a therapist go out you know, on all of our adventures now so that we, we get those uh, billing hours in for insurance. So, so just uh, getting to a place where we can, where we can still bill insurance, but, but take these, do these wilderness trips. Uh, that was day trips. The, day trips. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the biggest challenges. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm continuing to work on things to where I'd like to get to a place where we go out for two and a half days every week yeah. and we just stay out. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'll tell you what, insurance and wages. Those are the two of the biggest, two of the biggest ones. Those are the, the, the wages piece, the staffing piece, 24 hour round the clock yeah. staff. And in the, in the, but we have literally had insurance companies tell us if you can take the kid camping, they don't need to be in treatment. And we we're like, that's the dumbest thing I have ever heard in my life. The yeah. fact that they are in treatment yeah. means we need to take them camping. Right. Like, like you're just, 
is a game that's being played against people like us who are really trying to do the right by a kid. And sometimes the right thing to do is put them in a tent and let them not sleep very well because they're afraid of every noise. They're not going to die. They'll be tired. That's it. Right. There's a lot of research being done by the Outdoor Behavioral Healthcare Council. Uh, you know, and the, there's a research center now that's all about doing research to show how effective wilderness is as a treatment modality. Yeah. On any level. And the research also shows that it's not so important as to what you're doing in the wilderness. It's that you're out in the wilderness doing, doing the treatment. And it really identifies the difference between uh, therapy in the wilderness and, and wilderness, wilderness therapy. Yep. You know. And that, uh, you know, you could you could go out and sit on a couch in the wilderness and do some therapy, and it's not going to be as impactful as actually doing something while you're out. And so whether that's doing bow drill fires and primitive skills and, or survival skills or whether you're on snowshoes, just being out is is going to be incredibly powerful and very impactful for these, for these young people. I think, I think the future of residential treatment is at the very least multiple days a week outside, rain, snow, sleet, or hail. We've seen nothing but benefit from it. I know you guys have too. Justin, uh, thank you. And I, I, you guys are our buddies down the hill from us. Uh, we have an open house on February 8th. We'd love to have you guys come up and uh, hang out with us. We'll feed you lunch. We're going to be lecturing on the I generation and recovery, which is both of our primary markets right here. Right. Uh, but Justin, thank you. Thanks for the work you guys do yep. over there at Kokua. I know your boss. He's a good man. I like him a lot. Um, and you're the program manager out there. So you get to decide what the kids are doing on a day and basis. Yep. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Parents, remember, you take care of yourself first. You take care of your adult relationship second. You take care of the children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. My guest has been Justin Swenson. Justin, we'll talk again, get a longer show going between us. I love hearing the old wilderness stories, and I know parents benefit from them. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. All right. Parents, we'll talk again from the Winter Symposium. This is Aaron Huey and Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com.